Hey, welcome to Rebel Business. This is episode 24. I'm Ahil Patel. I got my co-host here, Paul Samuel. Howdy ho. How's so it going, uh, it's, uh, it's actually been a month, Paul, since we've done an episode. Um, Paul has been very sick uh, for the last month. I feel pretty bad for him. Uh, I've worked with Paul for uh, almost, I don't know, it was a year and a half. and uh, Two plus years, yeah. Two plus years. And uh, the only time he called in sick uh, was just to not come into work. He was never Basically. actually sick. So uh, for him to be down for a month is, uh, I have to say, very uncommon. Uh, are you fully recovered? I am. It was uh, it was probably some viral infection that just didn't go away. I still am kind of 10% still not fully recovered. Um, you know, it, it, it's that been sucks. more annoying than anything else. Yeah, I've been functional, but I can't really like exercise because I have shortness of breath and it's just, uh, you know, that more of an annoyance dude. than anything else. Yeah. That, that does not sound good. Well, I'm glad you're at least able to do this um, because our millions and millions of listeners were almost ready to riot. Uh, but uh, a lot's actually happened, you know, since um, our last episode. Obviously, it's been uh, almost four weeks. Um, but uh, we all just came back uh, from the holidays and um, obviously the big business indicator was on Friday. Uh, you know, Black Friday, uh, Cyber Friday, or whatever the hell they call it now. Uh, Cyber Monday. Yeah. Cyber Monday, Black Friday. Yeah. Basically, it's buy as much shit as you can't afford. Uh, that's pretty much what it was. Um, so the numbers came in. Um, apparently, it was, I believe, online. This is for online sales only. Uh, 7.5% more year over year. Um, which on the surface, I think is a good headline, but I will call bullshit on that because if it's seven and a half percent more, what portion of that is just driven by inflation, right? If the price tag is just higher, were more sneakers actually sold or were those, was it the same amount of sneakers or even less just at a higher price? And of course they haven't revealed that number, right? Cause that would be too transparent. Yeah, I mean, the, but I guess there's a couple things that could be behind it. Could just be an increase in mix, you know, brick and mortar versus online. I think you see it every year, right? There's just an uptick in yeah. the amount of sales done online. Um, you're right. I mean, it's probably still too early to say whether it's a good, bad, or, you know, on yeah, par number. Well, my, I mean, put it this way if inflation is still well above three percent which it is yeah. um that's half of it right there <laughs> right so there, there's half of it you know and then you have to then look at the categories right like inflation measures a lot of different things but it it gets blended down by commodity things that are bought so obviously sneakers and you know jewelry and stuff like that is not necessarily commodity, right? I mean, I guess sneakers are, but it depends what brand you're buying. Uh, right. So it could well, in fact, be close to flat growth. I don't know, but you never know what the, these, these numbers, but I think the headline sounds really good, but I still think that's pretty thin in, in, in my opinion. And so I don't know if that um, means that 
you know, end of year, you know, the, the traditional period of uh, retail sales for December is going to be lighter or not. Um, I think if you discounted it the way you're supposed to, right, with the discount rate and inflation, all of that, I think it's going to be flat. Yeah, but you, I, I guess what what I'm getting more at is if you if you're just going off like pure sales, yeah, yeah, obviously and that's what the, that number is the inflation adjustment. Um, you shouldn't have to discount because you're really just comparing, you know, one period sales to, to the next, but, uh, it's probably not seven and a half. It's probably to your point, you know, half of that. Um, but I guess the, the bigger issue is what, you know, what's the mix within that? So are people buying smaller gifts? Yeah. Uh, are yeah. they not buying, you know, people aren't buying cars, that's for damn sure. Are they buying expensive stereo equipment and electronics? Yeah. Um, yeah I, I saw some of the, the discounts. They weren't that steep. The uh, ticket size this, of, of yeah. purchase is prob. What is the average ticket size larger? The same? Is there more of it? I agree. And, and that, that information is not out there yet. This is just high level gross receipts. Um, one thing that, I mean, jumped out at me. I saw, I don't know if you saw this as well, 20% increase in pay later. That's a, that's a lot, man. 20% more people are paying later. So that means they're using those cash apps or whatever they are. That yeah, seems like Klarna and, and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, it's just probably, it's there and available. Um, it makes sense, right? Is what I would say. Uh, people have less disposable cash. And then if it's installment payment at a more favorable rate or just four payments, you know, at 0% interest, why wouldn't you do it as opposed to rolling debt on your credit card, which is 25.5%, you know, 28% uh, if you're unlucky. Uh, so I, I, I'm not like shocked that there's an increase in use of them. It's a pretty popular payment mechanism. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some of that is people who are kicking the debt can down the road. They just don't have the cash on hand and, uh, yeah, which and they're stringing this out of, a little bit. That's is alarming. I mean, 20%. I mean, it could just be that this is a, a new kind of form of credit, credit card sort of situation where it's just gaining more popularity and it's it's not much different than somebody putting on their credit card, but it feels a little bit different. Um, you know, so I, I thought that was the big number, uh, more so than the seven and a half percent is that one out of five people that contributed to that seven and a half percent growth probably couldn't afford what they were buying. Right. I mean, yeah, extent, I mean, it's, uh, that's, I, I, I get it. There are probably pro people that budget their life this way, but it just seems like a lot uh, to me. I thought that was a big number. I mean, you always say that the American consumer is unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, so I mean, like, like I would make greater use of it myself. 
Um, I'd much rather pay later than pay today. But, you know, if you have a credit card with all sorts of points, if you pay with Klarna or one of these installment payment apps, you're you're paying in a different way, right? So you're not using your credit card uh, so you don't get any points. Um, so for somebody like me, I'd rather get the points. I don't have this cash flow issue. Uh, but for somebody who's either, um, you know, having cash flow issues or, um, yeah, to- and, and I get it. I mean, if you, if you if your income is based on commissions, uh, and you just know, Hey, like this commission check is now getting pushed out a month longer than I thought it makes sense, but I just don't know how many how many times that is the scenario. But I, I thought that was pretty interesting. So I think we'll have to see, wait and see what the holiday season brings. But I think that's going to be a big indicator of kind of what is in store for next year, growth-wise and just sentiment-wise, right? It, I think it measures more uh, consumer confidence, how people feel about uh, prospects, uh, both near-term and long-term. So definitely something to watch. Uh, something that did happen last week, uh, I think it was last week, the chat GPT uh, CEO, Sam Altman, uh, was fired. And then um, somehow he, I think it was four or five days later, was able to fire the people that fired him, uh, which I have fired to him say, back. Yeah, that's got to be the first time I've ever heard that ever. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Have you ever, like, is that something that is normal in the tech industry? No, it's not normal in any industry, right? I mean, think about what happened just on on a basic level. They ousted him um, without any declaration, firm declaration of what the reasoning was. It was just he, like, was out there miscommunicating um, about, like, the company's intentions uh, it's very, you know, cloak and dagger. And they turn around, they fire him on a Friday. And by Monday, he's back. And I think it was at least two of the board members are now on the way out. Uh, so he kind of reverse fired the board, yeah. which is, again, unprecedented. That doesn't happen no, that, uh, for a CEO it, to oust it, board I've members. Just, I don't even know what to liken it to. It's It's... I mean, we talked about this. You mentioned that it was Microsoft that got involved because they were the big investor yet didn't have a board seat. And they they kind of put their thumb on the scale to reverse course. Yeah. So it's a weird corporate structure because when it was originally founded, it was, you know, done so as like a nonprofit. And so they have this like weird holding company structure where the board um, is an independent four-person board. Uh, they are, it's not, the constituents are not the investors per se. They are all independent representatives, directors. And um, they decided to oust him as, I, I, I'm assuming he was chairman too, uh, but they ousted Thanks, him Tom. and CEO and you know one of the founders um, and the the biggest problem is like Sam Altman is he's Steve Jobs T two point like he is revered in tech yeah. circles. So I'm not in tech, and I know his and name you know him and, and yeah. just how positive people speak of him. Um, yeah, 
both from an intelligence standpoint and business standpoint, but just also as a different kind of person in tech. Yeah. High EQ, very yeah. supportive. Right. He, I mean, he, look, his, his testimony even to Congress was very uh, sobering. It was, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very honest and it wasn't really, you know, if you didn't know about this, he, he went in front of Congress and told them the dangers of AI, which only can shrink the prospects of what he's working on. Um, right. Yet he was able to summon the, I guess, uh, intellectual honesty to do that. Um, and most people won't, you know, most people don't, um, they'll hide under the covers. So you're right. He was very well respected. It's sort of like, a, you know, if like, a, a mafia boss was like, yeah, I want my underboss knocked off. And then the two other families are like, no, your underboss is so well respected and runs so many crews. It's not going to be him. It's going to be you. Right. It's uh, right. Tony getting whacked by Silvio. Uh, and so that's what happened here, which I I've just never seen that. I mean, have you ever been even in a work situation where, um, and I'm not talking about layoffs where there was just sort of, uh, cost cutting needed to be done. A lot of times that good people get laid off is along yeah. with crappy people. It's just sort of this, we have to get rid of headcount at this salary level, have you ever been in a situation where it wasn't a mass layoff? It was like a surgical removal of a manager that you feel like was unfairly treated. I mean, 500 people at ChatGPT said, if you don't bring this guy back, we're walking out. I mean, right. have you ever had a boss who inspired you that much that you would have walked out if they were fired? No, I mean, I haven't. And, and most people haven't in their career had that situation. Um, again, a unique circumstance. Um, have I worked with people that have been, in my mind, unfairly targeted? Sure. Um, there's a whole host of either political or um, just sort of, uh, you know, too, too full at the top of the organization. And so they're picking names out of a hat, so to speak. And Somebody's not as well connected uh, within the organization, so they get axed for for not great reasons. I've seen that happen, but uh, you know, this is Sam Altman <clears throat> should be calling his own shots in most situations, right? He hasn't done anything to muck up the business for ChatGPT, no. OpenAI. So uh, it was a curious move. Might have been a power play by some of the uh, board members. Um, I mean, there has to backfired be, massively, there's be you know? something underlying here. I mean, this just, yeah, seems, we'll find out in the next couple of months, something, uh, this just seems more wild. detailed I mean, about it. It seems like yeah. a Netflix special or something. I mean, this seems like an episode of television. I've just never heard this happening anywhere. I mean, it's just a bizarre turn of event. Even when I saw the headline, when it hit my phone, I was like, Sam Altman got fired. I was like, what, what is that? I was like, isn't he like one of the godfathers of this sort of AI, uh, whatever the chat AI or whatever, um, that whole space. So it was very shocking. And then it was just as shocking when you got the next headline a few days later, like, yeah, yeah, he's they back all them and the board, three of the people sitting on the board are gone. 
Uh, I I've just never seen that. Uh, so I thought that was very interesting, and it, it I don't feel like it got that much press, but um, it got a fair amount of press. It did. did it? All right. uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I I guess it was so close to the holidays. It, I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't in front. A lot of, of there's a lot of you know more pressing you know things to cover. Big war in the Middle East. And, obviously. I mean, the world yeah. is a, a freaking mess right now. It's a mess right um, now. It really is. It is. It is. It's tough to watch the news right now um, because it's it's there's a lot of things going on where I'm like, I don't know what the end is going to look like in those circumstances. And when that's the case, there is a lot of uncertainty. And I, I think that does feed into what's the, the volatility we've seen in the markets while it has been a calm couple weeks right where a yeah. news headline hasn't just forced um you know a sell-off uh that's it feels like this is the longest stretch of calm we've had in a while and in months honestly um and so hopefully it stays calm. I don't think it will. <laughs> I don't I think, think that we can expect it to stay calm. Financial markets. I know, um, you know, treasury real yields have been dropping, um, right. Yep. That's been happening over the last several days. And it's like, what's going on? I, you know, I'm like, we, we still have all these indicators of a recession and then we have all these other indicators that are contrary to it. So one side is going to be right. And one side is going to be wrong. But, you know, in that in that vein, that's kind of how it is in most things that you invest in. Right. They're usually you, you have to take a position if you want, you know, growth, one, two, three, four, five. There's a way to invest. But then if you want exponential growth, one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, um, you have to take on more risk. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about besides the tech space right i mean everything is affected by tech in some shape or form but some other industries that are a little more exotic in their early stages and you know i just kind of want to touch base on cannabis and sports book um because those were two things that were illegal about a decade ago in all 50 states about you know give or take a few years and now suddenly they're not and I'm, I'm very, very bearish on cannabis. And then I'm very bullish on sports book. I don't know what your opinion on both are. Yeah. Cannabis is, um, it's a tough one because I think it depends on the location. So in California, still kind of a mixed bag. Um, there are some winners and losers, but I'd say, most people that went the legal route, um, it, it's just expensive to do business and it's just challenging because you can't get banked by traditional financial institutions. Yeah. So there's all these hurdles to, to climb and the average Joe who's just buying regular, you know, run of the mill pot is just sticking with their delivery drug dealer uh, whose prices haven't changed in 10 years. Um, Maybe so it's hard to compete against that. What? What's that? I don't know if the cost of pot has changed in more than 10 years. Doubt it. Yeah. Not much, you know, relative to the cost of anything else that's commodity, right? Right. 
Um, and then what I get and I agree with what you're saying is that's the regulatory framework of that investment is not great, right? It doesn't really encourage um, a lot of financing to come in and, and the U.S. market, that's everything. If it can't be financed, I think there's limited growth, uh, period, full stop. I think that is a huge problem. One of the biggest competitive advantages this country has is our banking system, access to capital, liquidity, being able to grow things um, from a balance sheet perspective. And without that, I think that is challenging. But but on a more macro level, I just look at cannabis and I just I don't know. I don't I don't see it's it is absolutely a commodity product. And so when you have that, you have to somehow be able to differentiate it, right? Like people who drink coffee, for example, right? We, we have friends who are big coffee drinkers, coffee, you know, connoisseur, whatever you want to call it, coffee snob, whatever, whatever it is, they really will go to a different coffee shop or cafe. They might poo poo Dunkin' Donuts. And then there's somebody like me, I don't drink burnt coffee. I don't care. Like I'm not bothered by the brand of coffee. I, when I drink coffee, it's because I'm tired and I need to wake up, right? It's not because I'm looking forward to the taste, the aroma, X, Y, and Z. And so you have that in coffee. I just don't think you're going to get that in cannabis. I don't think there's enough people who care enough about the product to be like, yeah, I want this. Like, yeah, they have some gimmicky stuff like Mike Tyson has edibles in the shape of an ear, right? I don't know. Is that really enough for you to want to use that product versus another one? I don't know. I, I just don't see right. it. I don't really see how this is going to, how you're going to, how are you going to increase the price on this thing? I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see how you can make this a better product. And I don't think you can do the volume coffee does, for example, which is a commodity as well. Like how much cannabis can one person consume? Um, you know, so. Yeah, I but know. I mean, like, OK, but the, the the same parallel to alcohol, the same parallel to, you know, wine in, in particular, um, beer, right? Like. They all have coffee. They all have yeah. different, you know, the, like the artisanal level than the run of the mill. A ab absolutely. But the, the, but that's like a, a real sense, right? It's your taste buds. This is. Yeah. But, but you, do, do, don't you know all of the studies that have been done on like spirits where no. the average person cannot tell the difference between cheap vodka and expensive vodka. And, and the, really? same, the truth is probably the same for most wine drinkers could not tell you the difference between like a $10 bottle, $50 bottle and a hundred dollar bottle. Most people can't. I probably can't either, but I know the difference between bourbon and tequila, obviously. Right. Yeah. But that, that but that's right. That, that, that'd be like comparing an edible to flowers. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll, so I'll accept I, I, that. I'm with you. Most people are looking for bang for the buck, right? Like there, there's yeah. one shelf and it's got, you know, Indica, Sativa, Hybrid, 
right? And yeah, you pick I one mean, of the three. But there are there are connoisseurs, so to speak. There are. I mean, there yeah. are. I just don't think there's enough of them. And, you know, I don't know. There's a generation of kids now being born into a circumstance where it's illegal. Yeah. And so maybe that changes. But I think maybe. it is a long way off. I Let's put it this way. I have seen a lot of pitch decks in this space. And I pretty much delete them within but like for minutes. retail or for both wholesale i think that both okay. of it is wildly optimistic about the growth in the industry and i just don't see it i don't see where you're going to be able to push pricing and they don't have a good answer for that they're just like oh we're just going to do a lot more volume and i'm like how do you like i don't think you are um i i don't know you're really banking on a, the black market going away, which I can tell you, man, and I live in the financial district in lower Manhattan. The black market for cannabis is booming. I mean, we there's at least eight storefronts that I have walked by, and there's probably a bunch that I don't even know about. And so call, it's almost call that the gray market. Gray um, market. It, that's I mean, the it's gray illegal, market, dude. It's completely illegal. It is, but it, it, it might be, you know, some of the same skews um that are available in the legal places they just haven't gotten licensed yet right they're sort of buying it off the back of the truck um i don't think so i think these are just straight up illegal there's only four licenses in the city that are legal no i know most of the places in new york right now are illegal we went no, through this in california of them. Yeah. so it's like the black market my point is you can't get rid of the black market right you can't, you're, if you can't get rid of that, like, how are you going to be able to invest in a legitimate place and think that, hey, you know, if they will be the last man standing, maybe they will, but it's going to be years down the road. It It is moving so slowly to me. I think the people who got in early and cashed out are the ones who are going to make money or did make money. And then I think this next seven to 10 years. I think it's just I I, the, I think it's margins of a restaurant. Honestly, I don't think it's much better than that. You just have I to think get a ton of volume. You guys in New York are going to see the same thing that happened here in California, which is hundreds, if not thousands, of stores pop up. They're all illegal. They get yeah. shut down. Those people either you know just open up another shop, which then subsequently gets shut down, and they keep rinse and repeating that, or they get legal. Uh, and get licensed. And, you know, part of it is your state legislature um, kind of sitting on their hands and this slow rollout of licenses. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. It should I mean, have been a little bit. It's been a mess here. Let's put yeah. it that way. It's been a mess and there's no organizing force. And that is the diff like, that's totally different than what you're seeing on, you know, sports gambling, sports book, the apps, FanDuel. DraftKings, you know, Caesars or MGM, whatever the other ones are. I mean, it's, it's so much more organized and I'm sure there are still some bookies out there, but that black market has been, feels like it's been squashed, right? I don't think that a person who is 30 years or younger is using a bookie. I just don't, I don't see that. When you say a bookie, you mean like a a guy who you a can guy. call. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, a guy. There's like tons the of online. These offshore sites are still popular. I mean. But why? Why are those popular? I don't get because, it. Because, well, it's still illegal in California. Okay. I get it. It's yeah. illegal there. But like in New York, I don't understand why you would use one of those sites when you can use FanDuel. Uh, so some of it's familiarity. Some of it is, um, you know, speed of payment. Uh, you definitely yeah. get paid quicker. Uh, you don't have to take, you don't have to fund the account. I don't know if you, if this is the case um, in the, in New York, uh, the offshore accounts have pretty much gotten locked out of credit card um, payments. Yeah, and so dude, you have to fund locked out a credit card long time ago, a while ago. Yeah. So now you have to fund it with crypto, which means you have to set up a crypto wallet. You have to that, you know, that's use an exchange. You can't even Western union to those places right. anymore. Yeah. Um, right. So that, that to me is why I would absolutely bet on sports book. First of all, it's uh, all, you know, they're predicting, I think well north of a hundred billion dollar industry. I think it's some re- crazy number. It'll be a big, big industry, but in the hands of a few, like yeah, you I and I are that. never getting into, you no, know, no, I, I understand. There. I'm not getting into it personally, creating a platform. But if somebody put two investments in front of me of two companies, one being cannabis and, you know, a, a, a sports book platform, I would put the money, I put 99.9% of it into the, into the sports book because. But so same, same thing. In fact, it's probably even more commoditized because all your, the only differentiator is point spread. That's the only way you can differentiate or, or uh, bonuses and payouts and yeah. things like that. Like, you know, rewards, if you yeah, will. I, I, I don't disagree that you're getting a very commodity product, but I actually think that you, there's only two, there's only one story for both of them is can you grow the top line? And I think it's a lot easier to grow the top line in sports book than it is in in cannabis I, I because you you're not competing with these illegal storefronts man um and it's the ease i mean it's the ease i mean i use it it's great um yeah but i mean like there there's just the, the part of the problem is like comparing two very different business models and one where there is huge downside risk um you know a pot retailer that's operating above board may not make as much money as they expect to, but they're generally making money. Uh, a sports book that has a bad Super Bowl can lose millions of dollars, right? Like it if it's not a I match mean, book, it can. They they I can mean, be exposed. It definitely yeah. can. But if you have enough of a customer base, that's going to be what your mitigation is going to is going to be, right? Of course, they can. There, there's some downside there, but I still think overall. This is an old business, dude. I think, I think it works, man. I mean, just from my own experience, uh, my doorman used to be, or our doorman, yeah, we lived in the same apartment that. building, was my bookie. Greatest, but amenity. he wasn't. He was just a runner. Like he, he was a runner, but he gave yeah. me access to the bookie, and I didn't have yeah. to leave my apartment building to put bets in. Yeah, it was great. I, that was the greatest amenity I've ever had in an apartment building in New York ever. And so that's that that raises a really interesting question. How much do you think he got paid 
Like, oh, I don't, how did he? Get, I don't know how much he got yeah. paid. Like, uh, what was his interest in, like, you know, seeding the market? Honestly, <clears throat> I think because all of us were in our early twenties, I think when we gave him certain bets that he thought were bad, he he covered them himself. He took them and didn't hand them maybe. to the bookie. Because he okay. would be very excited sometimes when I lost. <laughs> I'd come down and he'd be like, oh, man, Patriots didn't cover her, man. I told you, buddy. I told you. And I was like, what the hell, dude? Go fuck yourself. You know, I'm the one who gives you your Christmas bonus, you bastard. Uh, I was like, why are you, why are you rubbing it in? Why are you rubbing the salt in, Raymond? Um, but That's a good question. Do, do you think that people tip their, their like, in-building staff less when they have a bad year, like, will you, if, um, if this year was worse than last year in terms of your own income, do you tip less or you pretty much stay? I stay the same. Stay the same. I, I stay, right? I stay the same. Um, whether I have a good year or bad year, uh, there's a couple guys that I do make mental notes of who's helped me out. I'll give them yeah, a little course. bit extra, a little bit extra. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm sure there's some people who use it as an excuse. I mean, I know the guys in my building pretty well. Um, they say there's, you know, people, there's some people who don't ever give them anything. And then there's uh, got to be some people that tip them like thousand bucks. A lot. Right? There's people who tip yeah. them a lot and there's people who tip them nothing. And they have a list of both. That I can tell wow. you, they do. If you're oh, wondering sure. if you're the people who work in your building know if you're being cheap, they do. They do. And when you yeah. need a repair done, you will be waiting. Um, yeah. I don't wait. I tip them pretty heavily uh, because, um, yeah, if I need something fixed, I, I want it fixed. And that's, this is America, baby. You pay for services. So what do you tip the person? I'm always curious about this because it's been a while for me. Dude, it's insane. I'm, I'm what do you tip the person that doesn't help you at all? They're just like there in the background. They like. I'm still giving them a hundred bucks. Hundred bucks. Okay. I'm still giving them a hundred bucks. I'm out a lot. I, I mean, yeah. I need to win our fantasy league to pay the staff in this building. That's yeah. when I win. That's what it goes towards. Uh, and when I lose, I'm coming out of pocket. And so um, fantasy football has only paid for it twice in my life. Um, these two guys right here paid for nice. uh, paid for my boys in the building. Um, but, you know, I, I agree. Look, uh, it, it, it is a high risk um, business for sure. But like I said, you have to pick when you're investing. You want to go one, two, three, four, five, which is respectable and is a way to do it. Or you go you know, one, two, four, eight, 16, 32. I, I rather go for it. That's who I am. I feel like I take calculated risk. And in fact, um, I am starting to take a big calculated risk in investing in the office market. I know the headlines are putrid. Uh, they're bad. I think some of those headlines are really non-informative and are, is, is, it's making a very broad statement about a asset class that I think is going to become overcorrected. Um, so I am, I'm aggressively looking at office buildings to invest in right now and try to acquire um, with my investors, of course. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a bet, but I feel like it's a calculated one and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I won't be nervous when I, 
get an, an accepted offer. But so if you're you're looking at class A real estate in major metro areas, where where are you looking? Um so I think that's what might be a little bit different is I want to buy a class A building, class, you know, A plus location or A minus location. That doesn't necessarily mean it's in Manhattan. It could right. be in, a, you know, it could be like there are suburbs of Raleigh, North Carolina that are unbelievable. Cary, North Carolina, unbelievable market. Um, but it's suburban uh, yeah. that, you know, some people are like, oh, but you can't buy that. There's no trophy asset. I'm like, yeah, trophy asset is what you call is, is based on your opinion, right? There's no, oh, this is a trophy. There are office buildings in that market. If there is a class A building and it's 70% occupied um, and it's been built in the last six, seven, eight years and doesn't need uh, capital expenditures, which are just new repairs, I'd be all over it because I think we have bottom ticked occupancy, right? I think this is the bottom of it uh, for the for the higher grade office buildings. Uh, I can't speak to the B and C quality. That is going to be devastating still. Yeah. Right. And that's where the headlines are predominantly focused. Right. But at the end of the day, like people have decided on their hybrid model. Right. Companies have said we're going to work three days a week, yeah. two days a week. They've come to the conclusion and they're starting to make decisions on office space. And it's not this isn't like the malls. E-commerce killed the malls. This isn't like no one goes to the office anymore. People are always going to go to the office. They always are going to go. They're just going to go to the really nice ones that have amenities or near retail or good access, good location. It's not the death of the office. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Yeah. And like everything, you know, uh, retail and uh, you talked about malls, like everything's a little bit overblown. Um People are still building malls and they're probably not building them quite as fast as they were 30 years ago, but um, people still shop in malls, right? And there's no shortage of in-person retail. They still go into the office um, and they will still, there'll still be value and um, it's a selling point for companies to have a nice office. If you have a shitty office, even if you're the, even if you pay the best or you have all sorts of other perks, it doesn't show well when you show up and, you know, first day at work and no, you go to pick doesn't. up your laptop I mean, and it's and, some shitty office. Employee, yeah. Employees are going to care more and more about mm-hmm. that, right? There's tons of articles about that, you know, like how important the office environment is. But what you said is, is the other part I'm betting on is what's going to happen is no one's going to build an office building for years. You yeah, can't get true. the investment dollars. You can't get a lender. You just, there's no way anybody is going to be like, yeah, let's build an office tower. Let's build right. a five-story office building. So yeah. what's there's a glut of supply, supply Why would you out there. Yeah. It becomes finite, right? Like, you know what it is. You're going to know what, the class a inventory is in a market that you like, and then you grade all the buildings. And it may in fact only be, you know what, there's only three buildings that fit my criteria from an investment perspective, but you have the discipline to just keep hammering only on that criteria. 
and maybe you have to look at different markets. And if you pick up two good office buildings after you've looked at 500 of them, you're going to win and I'll win. I'll, I'll win this bet. I guarantee it. I will win it because I'm not undisciplined. Uh, I'm not going to go outside those boundaries of my investment criteria. I won't do it. And what, there is a much higher risk that I don't transact. That's my concern. My concern is not that I get a deal that I like and I do it and I'm not sleeping because what did I do? What did I buy? Oh, I'll sleep great. What's going to keep me up is I got to find this building. So that's going to be my bet. We'll see, uh, Good luck we'll see to how you. it goes. We'll yeah, let's goes. let's say keep us posted because I'm will. curious. 99% it's going to work. Um, well, so so that that uh, we'll we'll check in on, but I'm just more curious. B and C, everybody seems to be on the same page. Um, that stuff's going to get just, it's going to be repurposed space. Yeah. Um, that's that's going to get beat there's up. There's not a lot of value. Yeah. That's going to get beat up. I agree. I wouldn't touch it unless you have a plan for it, uh, right. which might be converting it, knocking it down, something. There's a lot of people um, that are trying to do that. Yeah. And I, I think that's a harder bet. Um, and I don't like that bet. Honestly, there's, there's, I, construction is not easy, man. It's, it's a difficult thing. So I'll, as I, you know, one thing we want to try to do on this podcast more of is kind of bring in how some of the things we're working on. So as I uh, kind of walk down the path of trying to invest in an office building, I'm, I'm be happy to share that because um, you can, it's the same principles in investing as anything else. Uh, ultimately, you have to develop criteria. You stick to the criteria, and you know you are intellectually honest about the value. Um, it's when you're being dishonest with yourself you get into a lot of trouble. Um, but on that note, we'll uh, try to wrap up this episode. Um, we haven't. Uh, I mean, we haven't been here in a while, so the last movie we previewed, which we always do at the end of the episode, was uh, Priscilla, uh, which was the love story about Elvis and his uh, wife, who was basically a child at the time. Uh, at the time, yeah. The movie did well opening weekend. It got $5 million. You said 8 You got closer. I said 12 But I think even the 5 surprised people. Um, it, it was a surprise sort of pop. Uh, but that preview did look good. Looked interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure there's a great backstory there. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I wasn't going to pay to see it in the theater. No, I'll, sure. I'll wait. I'll wait to see that. But what's coming out this weekend is Renaissance, which uh, I saw the preview. It's Beyonce's um, documentary on her tour. And I thought it was curious because we took a guess on Taylor Swift's um, who had the same type of movie. She went nuts. It went bonkers. $123 million in a 72 per 72 hour period, which is just, she's a walking economy, yeah. man. The woman is a walking economy. Um, I, I guess, what do you, how much, how, I mean, how do you, I don't think Beyonce will hit that number, but she's wildly popular as well. She is. I, I can't put her in the hundred million dollar range. I'll go with 65. That's roughly half of 
what Taylor yeah. Swift did. And I'd be close. I think it's going to be a little lighter only because of the holiday season. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with 50. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. You know, I I just can't, you know, I don't think there is another male version of these two women, like a, a solo artist that's out there that could put out a movie on his tour and get close to this, not even close, not even close. If you're, you're saying modern some, day artists. Look, if Jay-Z did this, I don't know. He wouldn't get, I don't, I don't think no. go. No, a hip hop artist can't. Um, there's just not enough mass appeal there. Uh, but I don't know. What do you like pop artists? What about Michael Jackson? You think he could? Yeah, I mean, if you could bring him back alive, yeah, he, he probably some people would probably go watch. But I yeah. don't even think him. Like, I think maybe in the eighties, yeah, like at his height. But like Taylor Swift and Beyonce are, they're like I said, they're walking economies. They they create millions and millions of dollars off their talent. It's just impressive. Yeah. My, my, my bottom line is I, I, I'm impressive. I could invest in any of their stuff. Yeah, I would. If there was, if they opened up any part of their franchise right. to investments, I would go all in. I mean, as would anybody else. Of all course. in. I mean, that, that's yeah. a home run and I don't see much risk in there at all. Uh, if, you know, we're talking, only because nothing is a hundred percent foolproof. Well, and and you know it's all dependent on your get-in price. Um, so yeah, the get-in price, the yield, all of that. But there, at at this moment, I mean, they everything they touch is gold. Yeah, that's yeah, true. They simply do not not make money when they true. when they put out a product. But on that note. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, it's good to have Paul back in one piece. Uh, that's going to be our episode. Uh, we will see you next week. Take it easy. See you, everyone.